Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. Wab Canute joins us now from Thompson, where there's a by-election today. Wab, good morning. Good morning, Hal. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Here's my question. Is it time for government to give people a break at the pumps? I say yes. Yeah, I do think we have to help people out. The price of gas is its unreal almost, what we're seeing right now. I'll tell you a little story about my day yesterday. As you mentioned, I'm here in Thompson because we got a by-election, so I'm here to help out our candidate. So yesterday, I'm listening to CJOB. I'm, I'm hearing the experts talk about how gas prices are going up. I leave the city. It's 196. I drive up Highway 6. All of a sudden, I'm driving by gas stations where it's above $2. The closer I get to Thompson, all of a sudden, it's above $2.10 a litre. By the time I get here, the price of gas in some of these locations is $2.14. So people in Winnipeg are feeling the pain. Families are feeling the pain every time we go gas up. But think about northern Manitoba, where an eight-hour drive is just a a normal part of your lifestyle, right? People here are getting hammered by the the price of gas as well. So that's a, a long answer to your short question. We do have to find a way to help people out. Now, the other question that I know that you always like to ask me is how do we pay for this thing, right? Right. And uh, what I would point to is that in this year's provincial budget, the budget that the PCs just brought in, there's about $600 million of what they're calling COVID contingency funds. And I think you and I both know we've learned something about the PCs over the past few years. They're not going to spend that money on COVID. They're not going to spend that money on health care. So as we look ahead to an economic recovery and people are getting hurt with the cost of living going up so steeply, shouldn't we be using those funds to help people make it through this recovery period? Why, why, the, why the reluctance? Because we're seeing this in other provinces. Other provinces are giving people a break at the pumps. Why the reluctance here? Because this government has said there's no plan for that. Yeah, the Minister of Finance said it very clearly. You know, we've seen no indication from the Premier. I think, to be frank, I think they're they're out of touch here. They're out of touch with the reality for most people. You bring in the other provinces into the discussion, let's put some of those options on the table. You know, um, some jurisdictions have looked at the provincial gas tax. Out in B.C., what they've done is they've done a, an additional refund direct to the drivers through their provincial auto insurer. So their version of MPI has gone out and put more money in the pockets of Manitobans. And I guess what I'm saying to you today is families are struggling right now. This is the summer where, you know, we're supposed to be coming out of COVID. People are going to be driving. We need to help people out. Like, we need to help people get through this period. We do have uh, a pool of money at the provincial level that we should be able to access. So whether we go through one of those direct uh, forms of assistance, whether we look at other means of helping people. I do think it's very clear that Manitobans need help, Winnipegers need help, northern Manitobans need help, and the province needs to step up. It's certainly something that uh, that we we want to be advocating for. And a quick question before I run out of time here. I'm going to get into this more later on in the show. 
Uh, but yesterday, Scott Fielding announcing that he's going to the private sector. We're still expecting and hearing that Rochelle Squires, the family minister's families minister, will uh, leave and run uh, for mayor of Winnipeg. You're in Thompson today, where your candidate is expected to win. Um, as Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham said on the news here yesterday on CGOB, a tough week for Premier Heather Stephenson. As the Manitoba NDP leader, are you rubbing your hands with glee and, and feeling good about the vote in a couple of years? You know what? I, I, I stay humble and I try and instill in our team a sense of humility. And at the end of the day, the reason you brought me on the show the cost of living going up is the number one reminder for why we have to do that. This is not about us as the NDP. It's not about us as elected officials. This is about the people of Manitoba who need some help right now. And unfortunately, what you're seeing from the PCs right now is that they seem to be more about making plans for themselves, planning their exit strategies, planning their next career move. That's not what it's about. What it's about is you, the person who's feeling the pain at the pump, and what are we going to do as a provincial NDP, as a provincial elected uh, official uh, group that's going to help you and make your life better? We have to be working hard for you. Canoe, thank you very much for this. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Hal. Have a great day. Uh, but I want to talk today more about a story that we learned yesterday. New research published in the Canadian Medical association journal on adolescent suicides but it focused in on transgender and non-binary teens here's some details and then we're going to talk to the executive director at clinic about it more than half of transgender teens say they had seriously considered suicide in the 12 months preceding the survey in total 14 percent of adolescents reported having suicidal thoughts over the previous year while 6.8 percent said they attempted to take their own lives but transgender youth were five times more likely to have thought about suicide and 7.6 times more likely to have attempted suicide when compared with youth who are cisgendered that's people whose gender identity corresponds with their sex at birth rob westgate the canadian press ann wilcox is clinic's executive director and joins us on the phone now and good morning hello good morning how hi thanks for doing this those numbers shock you they shocked me uh, they should shock us, uh, and I, I think we should be using them as a call to action. Um, but, you know, it's it's what we've been seeing in other studies, and it's certainly what we're hearing from community in terms of the, the risks. Sure. I think even maybe the reason it shocked me is because the story came out yesterday, Monday, after a wonderful Pride weekend, where it's obvious we're making advancements, we're doing better but yet when you see that, uh, you know, transgender uh, teens are five times uh, more likely uh, to have uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, we're, we're still far away. Yes, absolutely. We are still far away. I was at Pride uh, at the festival and at the parade, and it was a fantastic celebration and acknowledgement. Um, but we still have a long way to go. What can the average person do about this? Just be aware of people around us, uh, how they're feeling, be there for them. Help us out because I think sometimes I and, and the people that I talk to, my listeners, I think we feel helpless when we, we hear a stat like this and we think, gee, you know, 
what can we do? Well, I think there are a few things that we can think about doing. I mean, typically when I introduce myself, I introduce myself uh, with my name as well as my pronouns. So so I use she, her pronouns, which is uh, community tells us is is a signal um, that that we are safe. Um, So just thinking about how we introduce ourselves, the language uh, that we use. Um, I I think, you know, I'm not an expert. The experts are the ones with lived and living experience. So I think it's important that we ask them, what can we do? Uh, But some of the things that that we've heard in our work and and working with uh, our partners in community, um, you know, specifically some some individual actions are um, keep learning, avoid assumptions, uh, mirror language. So, you know, if the youth is using specific language to identify themselves, mirror that. Um, don't try to put them into a box that is, you know, a preconceived box that, that we have or, uh, or category. Allow them to identify themselves in the way that, they, that, that feels safe and comfortable to them. I think mm-hmm. maintain confidentiality uh, and definitely in, in, immediately intervene if you're observing transphobic comments or behaviors. Uh, and we need to do a lot more to make sure that we've got support and community resources available. One of the things that, that this study in their conclusion they spoke about, and this is you know, uh, a, a particular focus of the work that we do at clinic, uh, because we're running the Provincial Trans Health Program for uh, adults and youth 16 and up, and we work really closely with the Child and Adolescent Program at Gaday to provide gender-affirming health care and psychosocial supports, for trans and gender diverse youth and their families uh, is to make sure that we're removing barriers and discrimination in the health system as well. Um, what the study spoke about was that uh, when people can access, I, I think there was one study that they made reference to uh, where gender affirming care has been shown to improve mental health among trans youth. And specifically they referenced a Dutch study where the rates of suicidal ideation among transgender adolescents receiving gender-affirming care were similar to those among their cisgender peers, whereas rates among transgender adolescents on the waiting list remained elevated. And in Manitoba, we have waiting lists, and, and we see it across the country. And just generally speaking, when it comes to uh, you know the suicide prevention work that you do at clinic, uh, you know we are coming out. Uh, I always say that, and you know say. We're hoping that we're coming out of this pandemic after a couple of years, I guess, is is uh, the way I, I, I want to say it, because I don't think we're out of it yet, and we still have COVID-19 in the community, but we appear to be coming out of this. How are we looking when it comes to the suicide prevention work that you're doing at clinic um, two years after this? Is it much worse, somewhat worse? Where are we at? Yeah, that's a great question, and I'm not sure that I can answer that. I, certainly what we hear about is that uh, when, when folks are calling, we're seeing uh, the calls are taking longer, um, how people, what they're presenting, what they're wanting some assistance with is, is uh, more complex. I think, you know, polarization, we, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, but we're also in this um, what appears to be sort of this growing polarization. And, and certainly, you know, what's happening in the U.S. is, uh, is scary uh, for us here in Winnipeg and, and across the province. Uh, so that's having a, a direct impact on folks. And so we, we have a lot of work to do, for sure, um, to be able to uh, support the mental health and the wellness of our youth. 
And thanks a lot. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for sticking around. If you're just joining us, welcome. We're talking gas prices and lots of other stuff today, but we are focusing in a bit on that incredible price now. 2079, up 11 cents, as Jeff Braun told you in the news, up 11 cents since yesterday, getting lots of great text messages and emails. Hal, can't the city do their part in better coordinating the traffic lights? I think that would go a long way in helping to conserve fuel, not the constant stop and go. Oh, boy. Don't even get me started on coordinating the traffic lights. That goes back to Mayor Sam Cates. And I think they've had some success with that, but then other times I'm out there and I think, no, nothing has happened on that front. Linda says, Hal, when I drive, I don't use my AC uses more fuel i never put the pedal to the metal at lights when they turn green i drive just slightly under the speed limit i guess it's time to drive like a little old lady she says i encounter some people though that still like to speed zip past me it seems gas is no object for them go figure yeah and uh kelvin's on the line 204-780-6868 kelvin jeff fortune my producer tells me that you do a lot of driving yeah, Hal, good morning. Uh, Hi. Absolutely. 1500 to 2000K uh, a week. I've been doing it all my life. And, what and do you, you do know, for a living to put that many kilometers on? <laughs> the wear out car seats. No, I uh, I work with a uh, poultry company and I uh, travel uh, Manitoba. So I'm okay. out in rural Manitoba all the time and just put a lot of miles on. It's very frustrating. I can guarantee you every vehicle, uh, you know, newer vehicle, has got the ability to tell you what mileage you're, you're, you're making. And if you're on the number one, you're 110, you drop that down to nine. I have a little RAV4, and it's uh, 25% for me. Mm. You know, it's, it's a minimum, you know, from 40 to 32, no problem uh, whatsoever. Your challenge, though, is, like, I'll be honest, I'm on the 59 highway right now, and I got a guy on my rear end, and I'm doing about 108. So the problem is that if people want to do the responsible thing and drop it down to, to 90, you know, we got to do it universally because people just will not stand other people trying to conserve gas. They won't do it. Drive on the uh, on the perimeter in the morning, you know. Yep. You got right. two problems. You got people driving 110, 115, 120 plus, and other people putting makeup on. I apologize. I get, I'm, I'm an older guy, so uh, I get a little frustrated. Um, sure. Seriously. We yeah. need no, to it, it, uh, get the government involved. Yeah, I, I think so too. And that seems to be the consensus now in text messages and emails from people. They like the idea of lobbying government, whether it's Ottawa or, or the province here. Uh, to try and give us at least a temporary break at the pump. So I would encourage people to reach out to your MLA, your MP, uh, and let them know that you think that's a good idea. Kelvin, I've got a guest waiting. I've got to let you go, but I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kelvin. And now we're going to learn about a fundraising concert that is coming up later on this month.
That is some audio from the rehearsal the other night for Music of the Night. Organizer Tyler Layton joins us now to talk about it. Tyler, thanks for providing that for me, and thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Concert's coming up on Tuesday, June 21st, so people have time to get their tickets. It's happening at Park Theater, 7.30 on Tuesday, June 21st. And, and I love this because it's local singers, local artists doing... Oh, sorry, hang on. <laughs> we already heard that. My arm hit the, uh, my arm hit the mouse there. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> although it's almost worth it, worth it hearing it again. It was great. Um, so it's local artists doing songs that people will know and love. Yeah, exactly. It's all local artists that people will know. They'll have seen them at MTC, Rainbow Stage, or any other theater. They'll recognize their names, faces, and, of course, their voices. Give us some of the names and some of the songs and and give people a reason to check this out. Yeah, it's going to be a two-hour concert that's going to highlight Broadway hits and a ton of musical theater favorites. The, the lineup is Joseph Savillo, Laura Olofsson, Lisa Bell. We've got Simon Myron, Victoria Xcon, and we've got Cassandra Consiglio and myself, Tyler Layton, performing. It's just going to be an amazing night, and it's a fundraising concert, so that makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about the cause. Yeah, so we're uh, going to be supporting two specific charities that are really close to my heart that have been hit pretty hard by the pandemic. There's a Canadian charity called Live Different, and it's a Canadian youth charity that works down in Mexico. And we bring Canadian youth down to do house building projects for families in need. And in that same community, there's also another organization that's One Life to Love, and it is a women's shelter supporting the same community, single moms that have uh, experienced abuse and domestic violence. And so these two charities are very close to my heart. They've suffered a lot. They haven't had volunteers coming down to support their programs and so i want to do what i can here locally with some of my friends and support them internationally very nice tyler and you know uh, i think when you emailed me about this and said hey can i get on the show for a couple minutes i said absolutely because so many of these people including yourself that are going to be taking part in this fundraising concert have had a a tough couple of years right they love getting on stage and performing before a crowd they haven't done much of that exactly a hundred percent all of my uh, close friends that are performing have really had to put it off for the last couple of years and have had to put aside their livelihood and their passion which is of course music and the arts and so it's just so exciting for me to be able to do this and to bring them on and for people to come and see live music again after a couple of years. Music of the Night, fundraising concert, Tuesday, June 21st, 7.30 p.m. at the Park Theatre. How do people get tickets, Tyler? Yeah, they can head to our Eventbrite link, which is exactly that. Look up Music of the Night, a fundraising concert, or under the same name on our Facebook event page. All the information for tickets. Tyler, thanks. Good luck with it. Thanks so much, Al. Tyler Layton, it's called Music of the Night. Eventbrite has your tickets, and again, it's coming up on Tuesday, June 21st, 7.30 at Park Theatre. Um, just to, some uh, all these great local names doing shows that you will uh, just 
remember, love, and appreciate. So I hope you get out and, you know, we talk local, buy local, support local. Here's your chance to support some local uh, music, musicians and, and singers and, and uh, help support them after a rough couple of years for them not being able to do what they love in the way that they like to do it. Gas prices. Gas prices. Before we go to Randy on the phone, i got to read this text message. Hal, just filled up yesterday. $250. I drive a 454 Chev Big Block 28-foot motorhome. Made it to Grand Beach Provincial Park, 7 kilometers or less per liter, hoping for wind at our back to push us. No kidding. Yikes. Oh, well, I, I put $100. I, you know, I talk often about my beater, my 97 F-150, right? I put $100 in the other day, and it just barely uh, put in half a tank. So 2079, the new reality. Randy at 204-780-6868. Come on in here, Randy. Hey there, Hal. Good to talk Hi. to you. Good, good segue to the new reality. That's what's frustrating me is people's acceptance that this is how it has to be. No, it doesn't. Now, I like the um, information, the suggestions from CAA and other um, people giving instruction on how to cut down on your fuel consumption. Good stuff, good stuff. I drive 70,000 kilometers a year for work. My costs are going to increase $8,000 this year compared to last year, and I'm being compensated at about, whoo, an extra 2500 So there's a problem there. <laughs> but my problem is this. We are compensated for our leaders' incompetence. And yet, it shouldn't fall to us to compensate because they haven't taken the measures that they need to take to look after us. And the example I'm talking about is how the oil and gas has been gutted for years. Now, what are all the specials talking about? That we need to get refineries. We need to have the infrastructure. We can supply a lot of this. But what are we doing? We're shutting it down. But what people don't what they don't seem to understand is the use for oil-based products. Look around you. Everything you see, it is increasing at three-quarters of a percent to nine-tenths of a percent every year and shall do for the next 25 years. Why are we not supplying it? But again, we've accepted this as the general population that this is our new reality. doesn't have to be. We need to take them to the woodshed and say, okay, guys, you start listening to the people. You represent us, not the other way around, in your special interest groups. And if it doesn't make sense, follow the dollar. Who's funding this? Who's pushing this? It sure ain't the general public because we're paying through the yin-yang. And I hate the lies of things are going up 7 or 8%. Baloney. How about 35%? Tell me what you are paying the same price for that you were a year ago. Randy, I can hear your frustration, and and you're not alone. I I know that probably doesn't make you feel any better. There's a lot of frustration out there. I'll just go back to my comment that we need to tell government we need a break at the I and, and everything you're saying I don't disagree with, uh, but those are more long term 
problems. I, I think we need a break at the pump, short term, six, eight months, help people get through this. And you know why government, I asked Wab Canoe earlier, why is this government reluctant or why is government reluctant to do this? Give us a break at the pumps for a short period of time. You know why? Because they have overspent our money and they now can't afford to give us the break that we deserve. That's the short answer to that question. Randy, I really do appreciate you calling in. Do it again soon sometime. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.